This episode is sponsored by Patagonia. In 1972, Chenard Equipment bet the farm, urging climbers to stop using their best-selling product in order to protect the rock. Clean climbing, making the switch from pitons to chocks, fundamentally changed both the art of the sport and the ethos of the community. It was climbing's first environmental movement and instilled the values that drive Patagonia to this day. But more importantly, it was a challenge. What are climbers capable of achieving in order to protect the places we love? 50 years later, Patagonia is asking that question again. They're still committed to the vertical wilderness and putting style over summit. It's a commitment to the sport we love, their technical climb product, and the planet we're still working to save. Go to patagonia.com slash clean climbing to learn more. This episode is also sponsored by Sterling. A wet rope is heavy, hard to handle, and can be flat out dangerous. That's why Sterling developed their new line of dry climbing ropes using Zero's technology. Zero's is a whole new way to manufacture UIAA certified dry ropes that are more effective, wear resistant, better for the environment, and only available from Sterling. Visit sterlingrope.com to learn more and use the code DIRTBACK for 15% off. And you can also find these links in our show notes. Welcome to the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast from the Climbing Zine. I am Luke Mihal, and this is the final episode of season four. It's episode 10, So You Got Your Knee Stuck by Kaya Lindsay. Um, this is the first time we've had a guest read their story. You might remember Kaya is a contributor to the Climbing Zine. She's written a poem and this essay that she kindly read for us. She was also a guest on... Episode two of season three, super interesting conversation. I really got a lot of respect for Kaya and the work she does. She's kind of like a pillar in the Moab climbing community and everything she does, she does it originally and she does it with a lot of passion and heart. And um, that's why I got a lot of respect for her and and asked her to read us this essay. This one came about, um, you know, Kaya had the idea and I've just heard so many horror stories about getting knees stuck. Um, I've had it happen to me. It happened to me on uh, that off with on Scarface, um, big baby or big boy or whatever it's called. Big guy. I think that's what it is. And it scared the shit out of me. And I really didn't have like a toolbox of what to do. You know, the zine doesn't really, we don't really do how to articles. And this is probably the only how to we've ever done. But I just thought, you know, Kaya had some good stories about getting herself unstuck and helping others get unstuck. And she had some good, reasonable tips, and I think that anyone who listens to this is maybe going to feel a little more prepared when um, that happens at the crag, or it happens to you, because I got to say, it was one of the most terrifying, panic-inducing experiences I've ever had when I got my knee stuck in Big Guy. You can also check out some of Kaya's other materials. She's got a great YouTube channel um, called One Chick Travels. A lot of um, good information and good storytelling in there, Um, a wealth of of information and just some really cool stuff. So definitely check that out. She's done a couple Girls Gone Wide movies with our friend, our mutual friend, Mary Eden, uh, the Trad Princess. Those two are just really great energy and um, stoked to see what else they do in the climbing world. The only other message I'm going to leave you with at the end of this season is to support our Keep the Zine Alive campaign. We've been running this. We often run it at the be- we've done it the last two years, kind of at the beginning of the year. 
things have really changed in the world of print publications and you know, we used to get a lot of our commitments from our sponsors late in the fall. And um, sometimes these commitments don't happen until um, early this year, which means we're also we're looking for cash to keep this thing going. You know, our sponsors provide a lot of our support. And then sometimes there's months of space where um, we're still waiting on commitments. And that's when subscribers come in. That's where we need your support. Uh, we just posted an option if you're a current subscriber on our old model where you sign up and you get like a three-year subscription we just posted a model to upgrade you know subscribe with our new annual subscription and then we'll give you um, merch or books or zines or whatever to make up that difference that you uh, you paid with your old subscription so all the links to everything that we're talking about with kaya are in the show notes and then the keep the zine alive campaign will also be in the show notes as well. So please support us or check out climbingzine.com. All right, let's get into this fun story, our last one for this season. And uh, we'll be taking a little break. We're also going to come out with the microdose mixtape that I've been working on with Devin Dabney. All right, thanks for listening, y'all. It really means a lot. And thanks to everybody who is uh, supporting the Keep the Zine Alive campaign. Oh. This episode of the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast is sponsored by Kilter. Looking for a fun way to train at home or at the gym? Check out the Kilter board. The Kilter board has innovative light-up holds, a progressive app with animated functions, climbs for all abilities, and two layouts to choose from with large international online communities for each. There are over 66,000 problems in the original Kilter board layout, and the newer home board layout comes with over 6,300 problems. You can set, tick climbs, make shareable playlists, watch send videos for motivation and beta, and even add your own videos to share with other users. The new map feature helps you find and connect to kilter boards nearest you. Kilter has multiple wall sizes and package options available, so we can help you get a kilter board in almost any space. Check out kilter at settercloset.com and look for more information in our show notes. This episode is also sponsored by Scarpa. Scarpa's approach to climbing shoe design mirrors their approach to the pursuit of climbing itself. They strive to evolve and incorporate new ideas and techniques every step of the way. They refine their strengths, train their weaknesses, and build on each success. Scarpa has been bolstering its climbing shoe foundations by continuing to create versatile, high-quality designs that satisfy the needs of climbers across a range of disciplines and skill levels. For more information, visit scarpa.com and look for a link in our show notes. Let's get into the episode. Hey Luke, uh, I hope that this recording finds you well. It is currently uh, the day after my 30th birthday and uh, it's cold outside in Moab and I'm sitting in my room just gonna record uh, this story I wrote for you in the either the 22nd zine or the 2022 issue. I don't know what the 22 stands for. Volume XXII. That's not helpful. I don't know what that is either. All right. Here goes. So, You Got Your Knee Stuck by Kyle Lindsay. There's someone on that off with you wanted to do. 
I pause, mid-stride, and look up to see someone hanging out halfway up the climb I was hoping to get on. I push my scratched dollar store sunglasses up over my head and use my hand to shield my eyes instead. The day is already hot, and I feel my face flushing with the exertion of the hike. Shoot dang. I exhale and readjust my pack. Well, at least I get to meet someone else who likes off with. We're hiking towards Abraxas, a crag local to Moab. It's early spring and one of the only places where it's warm enough to climb around town. It's the time of year in Moab where the jeepers haven't yet swarmed the quiet dirt roads, but the mountain bikers are beginning to make more and more appearances. As we get closer to the climb, I notice they haven't moved in quite some time. How's it going up there? I shout up to the two climbers as soon as we're within earshot. Well, you know, a man's voice floats down to me. I'm stuck. His belayer, his wife, I would later learn, turns to face me and holds the leash of a large brown lab who is wagging excitedly in my party's direction, tongue lolling and body wiggling, oblivious to the dire situation unfolding around him. Like really stuck, I can't move my knee. I've been climbing off with and teaching off with clinics for a few years, and every so often you have to help a terrified and in pain rock climber remove their knee from a crack. Okay. First off, don't panic. We set up near the base of the climb, and I start to shout out my usual lines. The climber looks stressed and a little exasperated. His leg is stuck out in front of him at a 45-degree angle, lodged in what looks like a large number four's crack. I think it might be time to cut my pant leg off. I've been up here for a while before y'all got to the crag. I instruct James, our new stuck friend's name is James, to build himself an anchor and go indirect to get the weight off his leg. Of my group, I'm the most familiar with off-width and the most competent at getting knees unstuck. So I climb up to him, I delicately climb over him, and then put myself on top rope through the anchors and lower down to where he is. We struggle for a moment to get into a position where I can reach his pants without also having him sit on my head. I bring him ibuprofen to help with the pain, and we even send someone down to the talus cone to get some olive oil from my van. He takes a drink out of the Nalgene I brought up and swallows a few ibuprofens. I notice his hands are shaking. Thanks, he says to me, once I'm sitting about a foot below him, staring into the crack and moving his pant leg around the edge of the crack. I appreciate the help. No worries, I say more confidently than I feel. We'll get you out of here in no time. First, we cut a circle around his thigh and try to slide the pant leg down towards his feet. I think my toes are going numb. He grimaces and pours more water on his knee. We're hoping the water will loosen the sandstone around his joints and make it easier to free him. Okay, I say after a few awkward minutes of pulling and shuffling to no avail. The gene material is stuck at the choke point between the rock and his knee, and we need to get his pant leg off so there is enough room to slide his leg out of the crack. I'm going to try something. I pull down hard on the pant leg material, hoping to pull it free by sheer force. He screams, Stop, 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 stop! Ah! He is rocking back and forth, the pressure in his knee becoming too much to bear. I feel a tightness in my chest. Fuck, 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 fuck. I've just wedged the material more painfully against his stuck knee. Shit, shit, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I try to keep a clear head, but James is starting to black out from the pain. He can't focus anymore because the pain in his knee is so great. I feel myself begin to panic, but I force it down. I have to keep a level head. He can't do this without me. He is swaying back and forth, head down, and mumbling to himself as he tries to focus on something other than the pain. 
I look back into the crack and slowly start to cut and pull his jeans away from his knee in the opposite direction of where I've pulled the material before. Sweat is dripping into my eyes and I wipe my face with the back of my hand. I hear James groan. His breathing is shaky. Centimeter by centimeter, I begin to cut and pull his blue jean pant leg off of him. It is a grueling 30 minutes. Okay, are you still with me? I ask him. He nods with his eyes closed. I'm going to pull you out. I'll put your leg on my shoulder, and I'm just going to slide it directly back and out. I reposition my body under his leg until his thigh is resting on my shoulder. My feet are braced against the wall and my hands holding his thigh in place. I take as much of his weight as I can, and I begin to pull back on his leg gently. Inch by inch, we slowly remove his leg from the crack. James is screaming. Whether it's from pain, effort, triumph, or all three, I can't tell. His leg finally falls free, and we both exhale with relief as he is released from the rock. He cradles his knee. Thank you, he gasps at me. The bruises are already beginning to show up. His knee is puffy and swollen from so much time inside the crack, and we finally, finally lower ourselves mercifully back to the ground. At the base of the climb, he tells me that he's a veteran from several tours in Afghanistan. That was more painful than getting shot. Thanks for getting me out of there. I hug him, but I can't help feeling guilty for hurting him so badly. This release of emotions carries me awkwardly through the rest of the day, and we wave goodbye to James and his wife as they head into town to get some ice and some rest. My party and I continue climbing, but I can't stop feeling guilty. This was my first serious soiree into getting body parts unstuck from cracks, but it was definitely not my last. A few months later, I am at Optimator Wall in Indian Creek with a good friend, Jeff, who while taking a rest in a tight fives crack, slips and the full weight of his body slots his knee into a crack. I look up from belaying at the sound of Jeff shouting and then hear the dreaded, My knee is stuck! My stomach sinks and I begin to look around the crag for my bag. Armed with my previous experience getting someone unstuck, I rush to my bag and pull out my newly purchased trauma shears, ibuprofen, and sunscreen. I tell him to immediately build himself a gear anchor and to go indirect to it. Then I have him lower down a loop of rope so I can tag up the assembled items. As he brings up the small assortment of gear, I shout up to him, You're going to be okay! He unclips the package from the rope, drops the loop back down, and responds, We'll see about that. He begins to saw at his pant leg, grunting and cursing. I pull in the slack, keeping him on belay, and I wait. I anxiously look up at Jeff. The birds chirp in the distance, and my friend screams in pain. Sitting and waiting on the ground while your friend screams and strains high above you is uniquely stressful. I try to coach him through it, but he needs to focus and asks for silence. There may be four other parties at the wall today, and they have all fallen silent. The lot of us can't help but watch and wait while this stressful show plays out. The entire crag sits quietly, full of anxious tension. We'd done all we could do for him. He had to figure out the rest on his own. My stomach turns itself into knots as I sit and listen to him scream, the red sandstone walls around me offering no comfort today. After a few minutes, I see a long strip of khaki-colored material float down from above, Wrapped in it is a bottle of ibuprofen. His pant leg is off, but his thigh is still stuck. I hear the sounds of Jeff shouting and groaning as he pulls and lifts his leg. Ah, no, that's worse. He screams at the sky. I grit my teeth and say nothing. Staring down the face of my own helplessness, I sit quietly and try to calm my own worried breathing. 
Minutes pass, maybe 30 of them, then a handful more. I sit still and listen to my friend's pain. After what seems like ages, I hear him give one final scream and pull his leg free of the rock. He cries out triumphantly, and the whole crag exhales with him. A few people cheer, and I give a loud whoop of excitement. I feel my jaw unclench, and the tension unspools from my belly. It's hard being the person watching someone else suffer. It can be challenging to feel so powerless when someone you know is in pain. I itched to help, but as I lowered him to the ground, I knew that letting him do it himself was the right call. I feel immense relief as he finally touches down. My leg hurts so bad, Jeff says to me. But at least now I have a brand new pair of booty shorts. He laughs, surprising me with his good mood. I give him a hug, glad he is safely back on terra firma, and snap a photo of his brand new, soon-to-be short shorts. Sometimes you can't help people. The first time I saw someone get their knees stuck, I was able to rush in and play the hero. I felt like I was doing something and taking action in a stressful situation. But that's not always how it plays out. Often you're trapped by the belay and all you can do is offer words of encouragement. It was almost more painful to sit and wait while Jeff cut himself free than it was when I accidentally hurt my friend James when I pulled on his pant leg too hard. I'm sure James would disagree with me here, though. I had to learn that sometimes doing nothing is the right course of action, which is why... It was even more poignant later that same season when I got stuck in spectacular fashion. I'm climbing a pregnant sabbatical wall, looking up at a route called labor, and yes, I see the irony. As I stare up into the orangey-black abyss above me, I notice that the lip of the route is narrower than the back of the crack. Climbing! I grin at my belayer, wiggling my fingers, and then disappearing into the mouth of this climb. The back of the crack is just wide enough that I can scooch my whole body inside, which I do. And then I begin to wiggle up into it like a chimney instead of climbing the lip of the crack like an off-width. I'm grunting and scraping my limbs across cold sandstone. The bright white light of day filters through the crack to me, illuminating everything around me in a soft orange glow. I look at my number seven cam above me as I glance up. Sand falls from where the lobes meet the rock and into my eyes. I rub my eyes with my grit and chalk-covered hand and feel sand grains in my eyelashes and eyebrows. I can see above me that the crack narrows inside. I need to get back outside the crack. There is a point just a few feet from my head where I'm sure I can squeeze through. It will be tight, but I can make it. I shuffle my body toward the pod, breathing out as I make a move and breathing in to hold myself in place. The rock is so tight here. My chin scrapes the wall. Below me, the crack pinches down again, but I'm almost back outside, so I don't think much about it. I can't turn my head where I am now. The space is too narrow. The sandstone is pressing in from the front and from the back, and I'm wiggling through methodically. I take one large exhale and push my upper body out through the small opening. Finally! I take several sweet, deep breaths from my now unrestricted chest, panting with the effort of the climb. <sighs> my upper body is free, hanging in midair, but my lower body is still wedged into the crack. I wiggle my feet to try and get a heel-toe on so I can push myself up and out when... Shunk, uh-oh. I slipped. Just barely, but I did slip. I've moved maybe six inches down from where I was before. I'm still in the crack, my upper body free, my lower body trapped. I slipped into the pinch below me, and my hips are stuck. Ah, hell. I wiggle my feet into my dismay, realize they are both flailing uselessly in space. The crack pinches down below me, but opens up again just under my shins. The crack is too wide for my toes to touch on either side. I look back into the crack and lean in. 
exhaling sharply so I can get my body back inside. The crack closes in around me, and I try to breathe out as hard as I can, but I can't move. Well, this is bad. I can't go down because the crack narrows below me. I can't push up because my feet can't touch the wall. And I can't go in because I slid down to a place where my upper body won't go back into the crack either. I pull my upper body back outside the crack and look around. Great. On this lovely fall day, I also happen to be teaching a climbing clinic. Far below me are seven oblivious newbie crack climbers who are looking to me to show them the ropes of trad climbing and how to climb off with. I am obviously nailing it. I look over and see one of my clients happily top roping a 510 next to me. Hey, uh, I don't mean to rush anyone. Please, by all means, finish your climb. But can you maybe run over to one of the other guides and tell them I'm stuck? Oh, yeah, sure thing. His client looks at me, not really comprehending my situation, and slowly keeps climbing their route. I wait, not really in any pain, but slightly embarrassed and annoyed by my situation. At one point, I take my hands and feet off the rock and wave them in the air. I'm caught in the middle of my body, not going anywhere. Ten minutes goes by, twenty minutes goes by. I'm waiting for one of my co-guides to come by and get above me so they can pull my hips out from above. Clients wave to me as they climb by, happily oblivious to my condition. I give a thumbs up as someone lowers off their first 510 hand crack. I sent, she squeals. Nice job, I say tightly, smiling and still extremely stuck. Ho-hum. As I sit wedged into this crack, I try to remember all the things I've said to people when they've been stuck. Don't panic. Just breathe. You got yourself in here. You're going to get yourself out. I can breathe easily. I'm still on belay. And there's people around me who can clip the chains for me. I'm okay. Not panicking. Everything in climbing is a metaphor for me. Sometimes I get stuck on climbs, just like sometimes I get stuck in life. Hmm. I'm watching the very unhurried clients below me wander over to tell another guide about my situation. When you get stuck, it's mostly your problem. You can ask for help and you can rely on friends, but the person who got you into this mess is usually the one who has to get you out, and that person is you. I look back into the crack. I'm tired of waiting for someone else to come save me. The feature I'm climbing is one continuous crack through a massive pillar. I can see the profile of Indian Creek through the gap in the back. This place I call home still seems to have so much to teach me. The crack is dark, but there is light shining through. The sandstone is soft and slightly gritty when I place my palms against it. There is only one way out, and it's back in and down. I take a massive breath in, set my arms low but engaged and ready to push, and I will my hips to squish down smaller. <sighs> Exhale. I breathe out and compress my shoulders. I press hard with my palm against the sandstone and keep breathing out. I pull in my lower abs and lead with my chest. It's a balance between being engaged and being relaxed. My muscles will expand if I use them, so I have to keep as many of my body parts as relaxed as possible, while also using enough force to push me deeper, back into the beckoning hug of the crack. I'm still exhaling, pressing my ribcage into the small opening in the crack. My right arm presses in a chicken wing against the sandstone, my left arm palming down on the lip of the crack. I feel my sternum, the widest part of my chest, slip through the constriction and into the crack. Got it. I'm back inside, the walls of the climb pressing in on me from both sides. I'm still exhaling and trying to hold my breath out. I pull my body to the right and back into the crack where it widens up into a chimney again. 
I use my inner thigh muscles to pull my right leg up and inhale slightly with relief as my toes and heels reconnect with the wall. I scooch a few more centimeters deeper into the crack and my chest is free again. I feel my hips slide out of the constriction. I shuffle quickly to the chimney and take several deep breaths, feeling for the first time in a while the full inhalation and exhalation of my lungs. My body is free and I am relieved. I'm free! I shout down to my belayer. I hear a muffled cheer through the pillar of rock as I lower back down through the climb into the safety of the ground below. As my feet touch down, I feel relieved and sore but proud of myself for figuring it out. I rub my tender hip bones and look up at my belayer. Never heard of anyone getting their hips stuck before. She grins. Remind me to tell you about the time I got stuck in championship wrestling in Joshua Tree three years ago. In all three situations, I learned something about getting stuck and then unstuck. The first is that you should always go slow. Rushing or thrashing can make things considerably worse and considerably more painful. The second is that sometimes you have to help people help themselves, but unless they ask for help, stay out of it, no matter how challenging it might feel to do so. And the third is that if you get yourself into a situation, you are most likely to get yourself back out. Trust yourself, trust what feels right, and don't panic. And remember, you got yourself into this situation, you can get yourself out. Best of luck to all of you who are stuck in cracks and always bring your trauma shears and ibuprofen to the crag. After going through this process, I've learned a few things about getting knees unstuck. So if you're here and you're looking forward to keeping your knees out of cracks, please refer to the following list. Are you ready? Of course you are. You're not going anywhere. Don't panic. Don't panic. Breathe. Don't panic. It's going to be okay. Take three deep breaths. Build yourself an intermediate anchor, if you can, and get the weight off your rope. If you're on top rope, ask your belayer to take hard. You want to get the weight off your knee. Are you wearing pants? Is the material of your pant leg bunching around your knee? Unbunch it. Relax your stuck leg. Your muscles are much harder to move when they're engaged and they expand in the crack. What direction did you put your knee in the crack? Reverse the motion. Don't try to pull your knee up. Most often, you need to lower yourself slightly and pull your knee back down into the crack. However, if you got your knee stuck by slipping and sliding down into the crack, it happens, then you want to prioritize getting the weight off your hips and keeping your thigh in the same position it was when you slotted your knee in. Don't straighten your leg. The angle of your knee changes when you extend your leg to straighten it. If none of this is working and you're still stuck, it's time to pull out the big guns. Lower a loop of rope and have your belayer tag up ibuprofen, a knife, or trauma shears, and some kind of lubricant. I like sunscreen as a quick fix, but olive oil will work just as well. Just ask the dirtbags watching to go get you some from their van. If you're on top rope, find a safe way to get these things from the ground. This could mean throwing or having someone lead up to you, or having another climber on a different route swing over and bring you items. Take as much ibuprofen as you feel is safe. It's a pain reliever, which will make you more comfortable, and it's an anti-inflammatory, which will help prevent the swelling that can make a dire situation even worse. If you've decided it's time to cut your pant leg off, you want to make two cuts. The first cut is a circle around your thigh, as if you were cutting pants into a pair of shorts. And now you have some new booty shorts. The second cut should be long ways from the top of your thigh, down the length of your pant leg, towards your ankle. Important distinction. The second cut depends on where the seam of your pant leg is sitting currently. 
if the side seam of your pant leg is above the choke point between your leg and the rock, you want to cut along the bottom of your thigh. Essentially, you want to pull the seam away from the choke point, not towards it. Do not try to pull the tube of your pant leg down towards your ankle. Do begin to pull the material away from the choke point. You are attempting to move the least amount of material through the constriction as possible. Did you manage to get the pant leg off? Huzzah! Once you've got the pant leg off, lube up your leg as much as possible. Use sunscreen, use olive oil, use whatever you have on hand, and use as much as you can. Begin to wiggle your leg out of the crack. Remember to relax the muscles of your leg. It's a fine dance between using your leg muscles to pull your leg out and relaxing your leg muscles so that your leg does not expand in the crack. Do not thrash around. Thrashing can cause bruising and then swelling, which will make the process of getting your knee unstuck more painful and much more difficult. I like to completely relax my leg and try to gently pull it out of the crack, either by wrapping my hands or behind my thigh and pulling it up or by lifting the leg out by the remainder of the pant leg. Carefully slide your leg up or down and out of the crack. Kyle Lindsay is a writer, photographer, and a filmmaker who focuses primarily on women in the outdoors. Kyle lives full-time in Moab, Utah, where she spends all of her free time climbing offwits, and she spends part of the year in her van where she spends all of her free time driving to different cl- states to climb offwits. Thanks, Luke. It was fun writing this. I hope you're doing well. See you soon. All right. That was our final episode for season four. We are going to be coming out uh, with that mixtape that I talked about at the beginning of the hour. I mean, I'm a person where every year I try to set some intentional goals with my art and my projects. And last year there were two things I wanted to do. I just wanted to do them for the sake of doing them. Uh, You know, I think sometimes with those of us that have small businesses that are connected to our art, we always have to be thinking about the money that we're going to make in the transactional exchanges that happen. But this year I wanted to make that movie, Dancing with the Queen, that I did with Jake Birchmore, Climb Called the Queen, that Dave Marcinowski and I put up in Indian Creek. And I just wanted to make it for my future self and like my nieces and nephews to see when I got older. And it's really turned into our most successful film so far. We're shopping it out at the film festivals. We're gonna show it down in Potrero in February and um, connect to the facelift event. It's going down there. And this other project, the Microdose Mixtape, is just something I wanted to do. It's uh, my poetry set to uh, music from Devin Dabney and production from Devin. Devin does all the music for the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast. He's also got his own podcast, the American Climbing Project. And um, he agreed to do this. And it's going to be coming out. We thought it was going to be coming out in 2022. But as things go, it's going to be coming out here in 2023. So stay tuned for that in the podcast feed. We're even going to make some actual tapes. So I'll just leave everybody with that message. It's really cool to just create art for the sake of creating it. And uh, sometimes it'll be your biggest thing that comes out. And sometimes it'll just be something that you're, uh, you're proud of yourself for doing. Music from this episode is from Devin Dabney. Our digital editor and producer is Chad Rich. And signing off from Sunny in snowy Durango, Colorado. I'm Luke Mihal. Peace.